0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter it, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then you will stand outside, knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, We ate and drank in your company, and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west, and from the north and the south, and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. I'd like to begin by saying thank you uh, uh, for your prayers. Uh, many of you have, have gone to serve, uh, as well as also the many donations that have been received uh, in our parish uh, for those who are suffering from the floods. Uh, and so it was uh, a great joy to be able to see the generosity and, and, and the, the love of our parish well up in so, uh, so beautiful of a, a, a manner. Um, it made me really proud to be y'all's pastor. So uh, it, it just, it reminded me of something that it, that, that y'all show me um, in, in striking ways uh, from time to time, just the immense generosity that lies within your heart. So uh, thank you for that. Whenever we uh, went to Denham uh, on Friday to drop off all the donations, we had collected uh, one 12-foot trailer that was full. Uh, it was jam packed. Another one, I think it was probably a 14 or 16 foot trailer uh, that was at least half full. Uh, and plus, there were other cash donations uh, still waiting to be received and, and, to, and to be given to those in need. And it was interesting because we went to, uh, we went to the, the shelter to go drop everything off. And as soon as we, had, we, we dropped it off, and they were shorthanded because most of their volunteer staff uh, were at their homes trying to, trying to clean their own homes. Uh, and so they, they asked us if we'd be willing to stay and drop off and, and help sort some of the stuff. And as soon as we were unpacking things, there were people already standing at the table waiting to pick them up. You put a bottle of bleach on the table, you bend down and pick the other one up, and the other one you just put was gone already. Uh, and so it was, it was greatly needed and greatly appreciated. I know many of them expressed their gratitude to us who were there, but through us, uh, to you. So thank you um, in that regard uh, as your pastor uh, but also as one who calls Denham Springs home. So uh, just uh, my gratitude to each of you uh, in that way. The past couple of days I've been at my parents' house working and uh, been reminded of the many mission trips that I've been involved in uh, throughout the years, especially during the seminary. During the seminary I went to uh, Guatemala and Nicaragua multiple times, uh, as well as doing local mission trips uh, where we can serve in our own communities, going to, uh, to Vashtoree in the southern end of our diocese. And one year we went to baya LaVatrie over in Alabama. And it was that one that kind of stuck out most to me as I was reflecting, I was praying with the scriptures as we were taking care of things at the house. And it's that one that came to mind because of a particular uh, situation that happened. Uh, while we were there, it was an ecumenical thing, so it wasn't just Catholics. So it was just—it was a variety of Christian churches had come together for this mission work after one of the storms that hit them, and we were there. And uh, each night, one of the ministers would would have a little time of prayer and reflection. And so, one of the evenings, they sat us all down. It was a it was a youth a youth thing, uh, and so it was majority teenagers. I was a, a deacon assistant at the time, and they asked us to close our eyes. And so we did. And he began to describe a scene, essentially, uh, where we passed from this life, where we died. And we woke up, and before our eyes was Jesus. He was in heaven. And he said, if you could ask Jesus one question, what would it be? And he just opened up the floor for people to respond. And it was, it was striking to hear the, the rich, um, profound thoughts and reflections on the hearts of, you know, 13, 14, 15-year-olds was, was edifying to me at that time and still today. But it was that question of, if you could ask one thing, what would it be? And in a sense, that's what we get in the gospel today. The Lord Jesus, he's going from town to town, place to place, going to Jerusalem. As, he, as you remember, maybe from a few weeks ago, uh, Jesus sets his eyes on Jerusalem. He's, he's resolved to go there. He's not coming back. And so... He's going from place to place, and as he's going, there are many times where people will see him for the first and for the last time. I think probably one of those people is the one who cries out the question today. As Jesus passes by, he has that burning thing in his heart, the one thing that he wants to know from the Lord. Lord, will only a few be saved? What are my odds, Jesus? (laughs) Am I going to make it? Or will only a few be saved? It's an important question because salvation, is, it's, it's, it's everything. If we have it, we have eternal joy. If we don't, we have eternal sorrow and suffering. It's an important question. Which side of the line am I on, Jesus? Can I make it? It's interesting that Jesus doesn't give a numerical response. He doesn't say, oh yeah, probably just a handful. He doesn't say, no, many people will make it. All people will make it. None people, nobody will make it. He doesn't say any physical number or general idea. And that's important for us. Because if Jesus says that, yeah, everybody's everybody's in, don't worry about it. We don't really worry about showing our love for the Lord and others in this life. At least not naturally. Our natural inclination is to take the easiest path possible, right? And so if the Lord says, well, yeah, most people will make it okay and it's easy to presume that yeah I'm you know, generally a good person I'll probably make it I'll be in the number of the most if the Lord says no only a few people will make it then we begin to question whether I can make it and whether I should even try no matter what the Lord would have said the question would have arisen in our hearts should I try either because I'm already in or I don't have a shot should I try And so the Lord gives the proper response. It doesn't matter how many you get in. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. Strive to enter the narrow gate. Strive. The Greek word is is something to the effect of agonize. Give everything you can to enter through the narrow gate. Give your best effort. That's what the Lord calls us to. To give our best effort to enter through the narrow gate. He says, even some some will not be strong enough. Some won't know the way. They won't know me. And he gives that agonizing story of the ones who come and they're standing outside and they say, Jesus, open the door for us. We're here. We're ready to come into the feast, Lord. He says, I don't know where you're from. Lord, you ate, and you, you ate and drank in our streets with us. You, you, you taught with us. I don't know where you're from. Depart from me, you evildoers. Many hours I've spent praying with those passages. Put yourself in that situation. Spend some time reflecting on that response. If that's not a motivation... I know every time I pray with that scripture and, 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 and place myself in that place where the Lord was speaking that to me, I get this really sick feeling in my stomach. <laughs> and I immediately realize that I need to strive a little more. I need to try a little harder for myself. And so the Lord invites us, strive to enter through the narrow gates. I don't know where you're from it would be a hard thing to hear. So how do we fix that? How do we make it where the Lord knows where we're from? I mean, obviously, He's he's God. He knows. He knows the number of the hairs on our head, or maybe the lack thereof sometimes. He knows everything about us. He knows all the things in our heart, even if we don't know it. You think He wouldn't know where we're from? Certainly He does. But He means even more than that. He wants to know us, to know us personally. And the way we do that is prayer. We have to pray. To be a people of prayer. Profound prayer. Not just surface level prayer. But prayer that actually speaks to Christ. And is able to listen. To have that time where we hear the word of God. And we respond to it. A conversation with him. Where we can offer up the rosary and allow our meditation to be an encounter with Christ Jesus. Other spontaneous prayers and other, other rope prayers, other chaplets, and these sorts of things can be beautiful ways for us to encounter the living God. But one of the ways I think that is most important for us is the Mass. Today is the feast of Pope St. Pius X. He was a pope in the early 20th century, and he was part of the, um, the early days of, of the liturgical renewal in the church in the 20th century. And one of the things that he desired for us as a church was to pray the Mass. He says, one of, his, one of his famous quotes was, don't pray at Holy Mass, pray the Holy Mass. Again, don't pray at Holy Mass. Don't just come here and Father does his thing, we say the words, but I'm, I'm kind of doing my thing over there, just kind of doing my own, personal, my own personal deal. No, he says, pray the Holy Mass. Pray the words, pray the actions. Let the things that we say and the things that we do be things that are not just on that exterior But there are manifestations of the reality of what our heart is actually speaking to Christ. And that's hard. It's hard because we're easily distracted and we're easily caught up in the routine of things. Being a priest, I celebrate Mass every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. It's easy, impressively easy, to become like a robot and just go through the words, go through the actions. Just this week at one of the daily Masses, I went through and I started the Our Father, and and I remember, you know, concluding the Eucharistic prayer, and we started the Our Father, I presume, and I woke up, I clicked in two pages later as I was offering people the sign of peace, and I had to ask someone after Mass, did I actually pray the prayers, or did I skip over them? They said, no, Father, you prayed them. (laughs) Well, maybe I said them at least, okay, (laughs) you know, and how easy it is to happen like that that we can allow our minds to just kick into normal mode when, uh, you know, allow our lips to to say what needs to be said as our mind goes 10,000 other places. That's not what we're supposed to do. It's to enter into the mystery and to pray the Mass. To reflect on the words that we say and to mean them. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest. Thanks be to God. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, hear our prayer. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world Have mercy on us. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter on my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Amen. I believe. Thanks be to God. These things that that you say and, and that I say, every Mass if we really pray them, they have a profound way of changing our hearts if we allow the bodily postures that we do to, to inform our spirit it can change us it teaches us to pray it allows us to know the Lord but even more importantly to be known by Him as we come here It would be easy to come and simply say the words, to do the things, to show up at Mass every Sunday, to do all the right stuff, to check off our list of Catholic obligations. Is to come and to say with the Lord, Lord, you ate and drank among us, and you taught in our streets. The Lord says, but you never spoke to me. Yeah, I was there, but you never spoke to me. You were at the other table. You weren't listening and responding. You are somewhere else. You should have been with me, listening to me, speaking with me. And that's what he desires for us. That prayer, heart speaking to heart, as the church has often said, to allow our heart to speak to Christ. And not just with the words of the Mass, but to allow even the other things of our heart to speak. And the other silent moments of prayer to allow our heart to pour out to the Lord Jesus. And really to speak to him. To talk to him. Because he's here. He's passing by. Right now. In this mass. Right before our eyes. Even into our very flesh. There are many things we want to ask him. Many things we want to say. but it's to make sure that we say them. And to make sure that we mean them. The Lord Jesus calls us to himself. He wants to know us. He longs to know us. I think we want to know him as well. And so I invite you as we enter into the the continuation of this Mass to respond to the Lord. To let the words really mean something. Let our actions really mean something for us. I'm not preaching to you. (laughs) I'm preaching to me today. Because I need it. Because so often I forget it. How easy it is, again, to go through the motions, but to forget the Lord behind it all. And so let us come here today in this Mass and to offer ourselves and love, to love and to be loved, to know the Lord Jesus, and to be known by Him.